Time now for this week's Anderson Healy Show. Powered by Elevation, the Sun Devil's preferred home energy technology company. Good day, Sun Devil Nation, and welcome to this week's edition of the Anderson Healy Show, the Sun Devil Radio Network's weekly program that updates you on all the latest developments in Arizona State University Sun Devil Athletics and features ASU Athletic Director Ray Anderson. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play broadcaster for Sun Devil Football, Men's Basketball, and Baseball. And it's my pleasure to serve as your host each week alongside of Ray Anderson. Ray, how you doing this week? I'm doing well, Tim. Hope you are, and certainly hope our uh, Sun Devil Nation is. So uh, we got a hectic week here, uh, just coming off some basketball, as we know. Uh, so we may as well get into the conversation. A lot of good stuff happening. Yeah, this is a uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a college radio broadcaster's delight when you got football going on and basketball starting up. Uh, plenty to do, plenty to talk about, and we have two excellent guests with whom we will chat this week. Each will be discussing upcoming events in Arizona State Athletics. Sun Devil Triathlon will be seeking a sixth straight national championship this weekend near Tempe Town Lake when ASU hosts the Women's Triathlon National Championships. And we'll get a preview of the event with Arizona State senior triathlete Liberty Rica later on in the show. And then next weekend, excuse me, the ASU Alumni Association and the Sun Devil Club will celebrate the 40-year anniversary of Arizona State's Fiesta Bowl win over Oklahoma in January 1983 by honoring the Fiesta Bowl championship team at the annual Legends Luncheon that will take place on Friday, November 18th. And later on in this show, we'll be joined by the quarterback of the 1982 and 83 Sun Devils, Todd Hans, who will reminisce with us about that great team and that great season in 1982. But we begin this week with a modern-day Sun Devil football recap. And unfortunately, it's one that has an unhappy ending for the maroon and gold as Coach Sean Aguano's Sun Devils fell to the now ninth-ranked UCLA Bruins 50-36 to last Saturday night in front of the biggest home crowd of the season, over 51,000 at Sun Devil Stadium's Frank Cush Field. Even though they played without their top running back and the Pac-12's leading rusher, uh, rusher I should say, Zach Charbonnet, who uh, sat out this game uh, due to what we believe to be injury reasons, The Bruins nonetheless gouged the Sun Devil defense for 402 rushing yards, averaged nearly 10 yards per rushing attempt, and very nearly had a trio of 100-yard rushers individually in that game. Sun Devils' Ray did show some spirit. They rallied from a 25-point deficit to pull to within six, uh, 42-36, with about six and a half minutes left to go, but They just could not stop the Bruins and uh, UCLA's ability to run the football en route to a disappointing loss. Yes, it was disappointing, uh, Tim. Anytime you you, uh, give up that kind of yardage on defense, uh, particularly on the ground, 400-plus yards with three guys nearing 100 yards, uh, and then have a quarterback running all over the place on you, uh, it is disappointing. Uh, That being said, the offensive side of the ball and the grit and determination – to stay in the game uh, was very impressive, and so we were uh, glad to see that. But the fact is 50 points is 50 points. Uh, the defense did not play well, uh, and that was disappointing. Uh, and that's the emphasis this week. Uh, you gotta, you got to stop the run because they're going to challenge us now after uh, UCLA beat us up pretty good. Uh, but the uh, final score is what it was. 
the effort, uh, I think, did not wane. We were disappointed that we got ourselves in such a hole. Uh, but at one point, we were almost getting out of that hole, and then UCLA turned it back on. So uh, tough loss, uh, but there's some positives that came out of it, certainly uh, on the offensive side and certainly in terms of no quit uh, with this group. Among the positives, certainly the performance of quarterback Trenton Borgay, who once again excelled, completing 38 of 49 passes, 349 yards, Two touchdowns, and think about this: in basically about two and a half, uh, two and a half games worth of uh, playing, as that's what Borgay has played. He played pretty much the second half and part of the second quarter against Washington, and then the two games against Colorado and UCLA. He has thrown for nearly one thousand yards and eight touchdowns. And what impresses me the most, Ray, is the way he stands in in the face of pressure. He took some big-time hits in that UCLA game and yet got right back up after every one of them and continued to compete and put up some huge numbers. Uh, Yes, he did. And you you point out the thing that we didn't know about Borgay, uh, which is his toughness and his ability to bounce back when he's been bounced around. And he certainly had a few of those occasions in this game and came back uh, and played and was not intimidated, was not shy about staying in the pocket. So... Uh, the young man is really impressed, uh, Tim, uh, with his two and a half games, uh, and he'll start again this week. Uh, but Borgay is really establishing himself as a, uh, uh, a Division One quarterback uh, that's got some real pizzazz to him. Uh, so really happy and proud for him. Yeah, I keep calling it the it factor, and certainly he does have some it in him that has uh, made him uh, really excel in his work at quarterback. And course he had some help ex validay had 176 total yards 92 on the ground with a pair of rushing touchdowns also 10 receptions 84 yards that's only the second time in the last quarter century that a sun devil running back has posted as many as 10 receptions in a game and then you toss in elijah badger and the tight ends jalen conyers and messiah swinson who were good again ray the offense wasn't the problem against ucla uh, no, it was not. And to uh, have 10 receptions as a running back, and you, you, you talk about how rare that is, uh, but it's also a, a tribute to uh, X being able to do a number of things, but also Borgay being able to get the ball to him. Uh, and the play calling intentionally trying to get that ball to him uh, in short space where he can catch and go, uh, talking about X, but Borgay has to uh, execute the plan. So, the offense, uh, Tim, uh, is showing some real signs of maturity, uh, and you got to be excited about uh, uh, the way forward, particularly with Borgay potentially staying and being the quarterback for this team going forward. Uh, exciting. Ray, what's your overall assessment of the job that Sean Aguano has done as head coach, interim head coach, now through six games with uh, obviously three left to play in the month of November? Well, you've got to be impressed with, uh, uh, very frankly, the uh, improved discipline. Uh, I think the teams uh, uh, all around uh, are doing better in terms of discipline and accountability. Uh, I do think there's a a renewed buzz uh, amongst the uh, players uh, and even amongst the coaches. Uh, And Sean is the driving force behind that. Uh, I know there is... A lot of fan enthusiasm uh, for him. Heck, we're 
very enthusiastic for him. So uh, I think Sean has done a nice job uh, under very difficult circumstances and he's to be applauded uh, for that. And so uh, we take it one game at a time. Washington State uh, this weekend, then Oregon State, and then Arizona. Uh, and so uh, the truth is, is he's going through a live audition, uh, which is a unique situation to be in. But nevertheless, that's our reality. So I think Sean's done a nice job. And indeed, the Sun Devils' next game is heading up to the Palouse region of southeastern Washington State. Pullman, Washington, the destination. Interestingly, this will be Arizona State's first game at Washington State, football game at Washington State, since 2015. In fact, engineer Sean Crespin likes to tell me that's the only place he hasn't been yet in the Pac-12. Well, he's going to be there this Saturday with uh, forecasted high temperatures of 39 degrees on uh, at kickoff as the Sun Devils play a day game against Washington State. It will kick off at 1.30 Arizona time. That equates to 12.30 in uh, Pullman. And the Sun Devil Radio Network's coverage will begin at 11 a.m. on Saturday morning with uh, Mitch Vereldis filling in for Jeff Munn hosting the uh, Sun Devil Tailgate Show. We hope you make plans to join us. Besides football, one of the other big Sun Devil sports stories of the past weekend involves the ASU women's soccer team, which in one fell swoop earned a Territorial Cup point over the University of Arizona with their first win over arch-rival Arizona in seven years, and in the process, Coach Graham Winkworth's team punched its ticket to the NCAA tournament. They are postseason bound for the second time in three years and for the ninth time in program history. Coach Winkworth's team rallying for a pair of second-half goals scored by Ava Van Dersen and Lucy Johnson to pull out a 3-2 to two victory over the U of A last Friday night at Sun Devil Soccer Stadium. And then on Monday of this past week, Arizona State heard its name called on the NCAA Women's Soccer Tournament Selection Show. The Sun Devils are headed to Portland, Oregon, where they will take on the number eight seed Portland University Pilots this coming Saturday, November 12th. Boy, that's great news, isn't it, Ray, for soccer? Not only a win over the U of A for the first time in seven years, but a win that punches your ticket to postseason. It sure is, Tim, and uh, Coach Winkworth and staff uh, have done a great job. And these these, these young women uh, that he has assembled on the roster, uh, they really love the game and they play well together. Uh, they've just got a camaraderie uh, that is genuine. Uh, and they've worked really hard, really hard. So two, th- two times in the last three years advancing to the NCAA, doing it at home, very frankly, beating Arizona really was a must-win uh, to punch our ticket to uh, the postseason. Uh, and very frankly, uh, that loss for Arizona probably kept them out of the postseason. Uh, and so it may have been reversed had we not gotten that big victory last Friday night, the Territorial Cup win, uh, moving on to the NCAA postseason, uh, getting credit for Director's Club, uh, Director's Cup points when you advance to the NCAA uh, and so they had a really good weekend last weekend, Tim, uh, and looking forward to them playing Portland on uh, Saturday night. Uh, and if we advanced, then we would go to play Alabama, which is where Coach Winkworth is from. So you don't want to look ahead, but uh, it would be nice from my perspective to see him win at Portland and then be able to go play back at Alabama, where he used to spend some time when he was the coach at South Alabama. So uh, yeah. 
fingers crossed, should be exciting this Saturday night in Portland. Hopefully after we get a football win, uh, we'll hear good news coming out of our women's soccer game. Let's hope so. And uh, Alabama, the number one seed in their region, and Alabama hosts Jackson State in the first round. And, of course, the two winners will meet next round. And, boy, that would be awesome if it were a Sun Devil matchup against the Crimson Tide of Alabama. The college basketball season tipped off this past Monday all around the country. And here at Arizona State, the opening day of college hoops season featured a men's-women's doubleheader at Desert Financial Arena. And what a long evening, but what a thrilling evening of hoops it turned out to be. Tipping off year eight of the Bobby Hurley era, the Sun Devil men's basketball team took on the Tarleton Texans out of the Western Athletic Conference. And what a struggle it proved to be. ASU trailed most of the game, trailed by as many as 12 in the first half, and trailed by seven, 57 to 50, with just a little over three minutes left to play. But then the Sun Devils rallied, as they so frequently have in the Hurley era. They close out the game on a 12-2 run, get a big putback basket from Marcus Bagley with 15 seconds left to take the lead, and they hold on and win the game 62-59. The final score, Frankie Collins, the transfer from Michigan, making a great first impression, Ray, with a 21-point performance His shooting was a little bit off. He was only 8 of 24 from the field, but he made some big buckets down the stretch. And uh, I tell you what, Ray, on opening night of the college hoop season, you just want to get a win any way you can, and Arizona State able to do that. Uh, We sure did, Tim. Like you said, we had to claw uh, every inch of the way, down by 12 at one point, down by, I think, 7 with just over uh, three and a half uh, to go. Uh, but then find a way to dig dig down, as they say, and come up with the victory with really timely play. Uh, Marcus Bagley, good to see him back for sure. Uh, Had big buckets and big moments, including the free throws at the end. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then Frankie, uh, you know, he was cold shooting, 8 of 24, I think he said, or 21, whatever it was. But when we needed him, he was there uh, and did a very nice job. I think the, uh, uh, the roster overall, uh, certainly looks the part, uh, to be sure. I think once they play together a few games, you're going to see a lot more uh, smoothness. But I, I like what I saw. I really like what I saw because they just kept after it, kept after it. There was a time or two where you were wondering, man, could they just kind of uh, throw their hands up and say, you know, this team is coming in here, they're fighting like alley dogs, and we're going to lose this first one. They didn't. They stayed, they stayed, and got the victory. It was really fun. But exhausting, to be sure. Oh, boy, was it ever. And when you look at a team like USC, which lost its opener at home to Florida Gulf Coast, uh, like I said, just getting a win is the objective in in day one because that opening game, it's like walking through a landmine. You just never know how your team's going to respond, what the opponent's going to be like. Tarleton was a team that defends tenaciously, and shots were hard to come by for much of the game. But the Sun Devils stood up, and the thing I noticed, Ray, in moments, especially late in the first half, how nice it is to see this ASU team have some size. Five players, six, eight, or taller, and in the late first half when the Devils wiped out a 12-point deficit, they did so because their size and length really bothered Tarleton on the uh, when they had the ball on the offensive end. Yes, they certainly did. This is a first time that I've seen three bigs go out and literally it looked like three bigs came in to replace them all about the same size. And that was exciting. 
uh, and they're all contributing, which was good. So nice to have size, and it made a difference, Tim. There's no question about it. Uh, when, you, when you can go and uh, protect the rim, protect that cup, as they say, and, and we did a nice job of it. So it'll be fun watching this team uh, gel going forward because, uh, you know, they haven't played uh, uh, together at all. That's why this first game is so important. Uh, and I did not realize SC lost to Florida Gulf Coast. But just to prove these these smaller conferences in basketball, there there's a lot of good basketball out there and players uh, dispersed all around. So you come into a place uh, with a Tarzan or Florida Gulf Coast coming into your building, and you better not think you just roll the basketball out there and get the win because they got nothing to lose. They're coming in here tenacious, and they love the game too. And this is a big stage for them. So those first games are tough, man. And the irony there, Ray, is the fact that uh, Andy Enfield, the coach at USC, used to coach at Florida Gulf Coast and led them on a Cinderella run in the NCAA tournament about uh, seven or eight years ago, which led to him getting the job at USC. And now his old school comes back to bite him. Well, I tell you what, uh, I'm sure if there's any administrators or coaches or ops personnel from that era, uh, I'm sure they were toasting last night to come back and beat (laughs) old Andy uh, at the Coliseum, uh, to be sure. Well, maybe he can take some uh, solace in the fact that he apparently left a pretty good program. Yeah, and he's got a good program here. But uh, like I said, opening day, there's so much parity in college basketball, you just never know. And getting the win is priority number one. And that was the mindset for the Sun Devil women's basketball team in game two of the opening night hoops doubleheader. And it was a special night for them. Year one, game one of the Natasha Adair era of Sun Devil women's basketball. The first Arizona State basketball game in a quarter century in which Charlie Turner Thorne was not the head coach of the Sun Devils. And uh, Arizona State made Natasha Adair a winner in her debut, squeaking out a 69-68 win over Northern Arizona in the season opening game. And it was a game very similar to the men's contest that preceded it. As it was hard fought, the Sun Devils trailed by four with about three minutes left to go. But like the men, the Sun Devil women rallied with Jaden Simmons hitting two free throws with 20 seconds left to put them ahead and secure the win. Those were the final two of Jaden's game high 22 points on Monday night. It was a, uh, another exhausting victory uh, and one that was uh, uh, really exciting to be there and watch. Coach Adair's first game, uh, uh, NAU, up the road. Uh, and ironically, Charlie Turner Thorne coached at NAU for a number of years. And now uh, her former team was down here being the first foe for the new coach for us. So, you know, those nuances weren't lost on me, Tim. And then uh, – uh, same thing, NAU, uh, I mean, they were tenacious, and they just kept bringing it and bringing it. Uh, but our, our women stayed the course, too. Uh, stayed in there, didn't get down on themselves. And when they needed some really tough play, uh, certainly uh, uh, Jaden and, and Ty Skinner, one of our new young ladies, uh, really did a nice job. Meg, Meg uh, uh, came in and did a heck of a job, so... A good first outing, but indeed, back-to-back, six hours of tenacious, (laughs) exhausting basketball last night, Tim, in that double hitter. But we came came away with the two wins. It was really a lot of fun. 
So it was a sweep on opening night, and both Sun Devil teams have more work to do this week. The ASU men will get their shot at their counterparts from Flagstaff on Thursday night when the Sun Devil men take on Northern Arizona's men's team. That'll be a 7 o'clock tip-off at Desert Financial Arena this Thursday night, November 10th. And then the Sun Devil women will be back on the floor at Desert Financial Friday afternoon, Veterans Day, November 11th, a Veterans Day matchup against Grambling State that is part of the Pac-12's Legacy Series with the Southwestern Athletic Conference, or SWAC, as it's uh, come to known. Uh, That's a series that pairs Pac-12 men's and women's basketball teams against uh, opponents from the historically black colleges and universities from the SWAC. The ASU men, by the way, will play their SWAC opponent this coming Sunday afternoon when they travel to Houston to take on one of the best teams in the Southwestern Athletic Conference, Texas Southern, on uh, Sunday afternoon, a 1 o'clock Arizona time tip in Houston. Ray, that is such a great uh, concept, a great series of matchups between the Pac-12 and the SWAC uh, on so many levels, isn't it? It it sure is, Tim, on so many levels. And I give a lot of credit to the uh, Pac-12 conference uh, for initiating the idea of having this uh, series, uh, men and women playing historically black colleges and universities, uh, uh, because it's important uh, that we get to know them and they get to know us. Uh, And as part of this exchange, you have administrators uh, traveling both ways, to spend some time with administrators from uh, the the schools and get to know a little bit about us, and we'll get to know a little bit about uh, Texas Southern and the HBCU uh, uh, community uh, at large. So uh, a, a really good program. And, oh, by the way, there's going to be some good basketball, as we saw yeah. with Tarleton State. Uh, you know, just because they're a smaller conference and you don't hear – a lot about them, you can be darn sure they know how to play basketball and they'll be excited and rare uh, and raring to go. So grambling here with the men, uh, with the women, and then we go down to Texas Southern. We're going to have to play some good basketball, but it's an exciting series on so many levels, as you say. And not only uh, Texas Southern, which, as we said, has been one of the better teams in the SWAC, and by virtue of winning the SWAC, uh, they've gone to the NCAA tournament uh, several times in the recent past. But the Sun Devil men will also play Grambling State and Alcorn State at home uh, in the uh, final week of November. Uh, Grambling comes here the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, November 22nd, and then the Sunday after Thanksgiving, the Braves of Alcorn State will be here to take on Bobby Hurley's Sun Devils. So clearly it should be an exciting winter on the hardwood for the Sun Devil men's and women's basketball teams. It was a very good weekend for the Sun Devil women's tennis team of Coach Sheila McInerney, the final weekend of their fall competition schedule. Arizona State hosted its annual Thunderbird Invitational this past weekend at the Whiteman Tennis Center. And among the stars of the weekend were Sun Devil juniors Julia Morlay and Mariana Arriero Castridi, each of whom won all three of their singles matches on each day of the tournament. And then in addition, Julia Morlay won all three of her doubles matches over the course of the weekend as she paired up with ASU's Sedona Gallagher. Meanwhile, at the ITA Fall National Championships in San Diego, we previewed that for you last week, the ASU doubles team of Dominika Turkovich and Patricia Spaka won the championship of the women's doubles consolation draw. 
They lost their first match in San Diego and then didn't lose again the rest of the weekend to win the consolation championship. Well done by the Sun Devils on the on the tennis court last weekend. Yes, we had uh, a lot of success on the tennis court, uh, Julia, uh, in particular with you know six victories, three in singles, three in doubles. Uh, but we split the team up. We go to San Diego. We stay here at home for the Thunderbird uh, and have a really good uh, closeout to our fall tennis season, uh, Tim. So I know Sheila uh, and Matt, our two coaches, are, are, are excited about the spring season coming up. But fall certainly was an indicator that uh, our women's team is going to continue to be strong uh, when the spring comes. The Sun Devil women's triathlon team will take aim at a jaw-dropping sixth straight national championship this weekend. And coming up, we'll get a preview of the women's collegiate triathlon national championships to be held here in Tempe this weekend as Sun Devil junior triathlete Liberty Rica will join us. But first, let's take a timeout. This is the Anderson Healy Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network. 75% of the electricity you're using is on products that are turned off. And your ceiling fan could cost you up to $5,000 over its lifetime. Sun Devils fans, you know your sports stats. At Elevation, we know the stats that can help save your wallet and the world. Visit PoweredByElevation.com and learn how our full suite of smart solar solutions can make a powerful difference today. Elevation is a proud partner of Sun Devil Athletics. Forks up, bills down. Get your forks up, Sun Devil fans, because Bar S, the number one selling hot dog brand in America, is now a proud partner of Sun Devil Athletics. From hot dogs and sausages to bacon, ham, turkey, corn dogs, and more, Bar S offers an all-star lineup of delicious mealtime and game-time meat. Grab one of the new Bar S Sun Devil sausages next time you're at the stadium and head to your nearest grocery store to score some Bar S today. Bar S, a proud partner of Sun Devil Athletics. Tempe is the place to be to catch the excitement of ASU sports. Before and after the game, Sun Devil fans can enjoy the sunny weather while paddle boarding or kayaking at Tempe Town Lake, hiking around Papago Park, dining on a patio on Mill Avenue, or enjoying a local brew while relaxing poolside at one of our great hotels. The next time you plan to catch a game at ASU, plan to play and stay in Tempe. To learn more, go to www.tempetourism.com. We'll see you in Tempe. Leadership, teamwork, sacrifice, putting life's lessons before yourself. This is Arizona State Football 2022. It's not just a point in time. ASU is part of my life. That's what makes the wins and losses personal. Down the far sideline, and DJ Taylor is going to take the opening kickoff. I'm Tim Hovick, and it's football season in the desert. We are Santan Ford. We're back on the Anderson Healy Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network. This is our weekly program that updates you on all the latest news in Arizona State Sun Devil sports. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play voice of the Sun Devils, working alongside of Arizona State Athletic Director Ray Anderson. And Ray and I are glad you joined us. This coming Saturday, November 12th, ASU Athletics and the City of Tempe will once again host the Women's Triathlon Division I National Championships. At that time, Sun Devil Triathlon will take aim on the program's sixth consecutive national title, having won the championship in each of the uh, prior five seasons in which the program competed 
in the event they did not compete in the 2020 uh, COVID season. Now here with us this week to reflect on the amazing success of the Sun Devil Triathlon program and to preview this year's national championship event is Sun Devil team captain Liberty Ricca. Liberty, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? And uh, you and your teammates must be stoked uh, for this weekend's championships back home in Tempe once again. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be on. And we definitely are, you know, it's an exciting time of triathlons about to come off full-fledged NCAA sport. And also we get to defend our national title once again, hopefully aiming for a individual title this year. We got some very strong girls, including myself, and it's exciting times. <laughs> Boy, for sure it is. Uh, think about it for a minute. How do you put into context or perspective the amazing run that your program has had since it came into existence. I would I would submit that, I don't know, in the history of NCAA collegiate athletics, is there any program in any sport that won national championships in its first five years of competition? I don't think so. I can't think of one off the top of my head. And I think we have to credit to our amazing coach, Cliff English, and then the amazing assistant coach we have, Nicole Welling, she actually was the one that proposed to ASU to have women's triathlon as an NCAA sport. So I have to give a lot of credit to them. And then all my predecessors that have been on this team have done an amazing job of making this team what it is, of very strong athletically, but also academically. And they have set a role model and guided us to where we are and it's hopefully something we can keep up for the next coming years. We've had Coach English on many times. He's a great guy and uh, obviously a fantastic coach. Has been recognized as multiple occasions, I think, as the National uh, Women's Triathlon Coach of the Year. Take us inside and tell us what makes Cliff such a good coach and uh, able to produce the results that he has with your team uh, the last five years. He is very flexible and he understands people come from many different backgrounds. We have people from all across the world, from Canada to Mexico. Uh, we brought on a freshman from the Czech Republic and one of our juniors is from South Africa. So we've had people from all across the world. And I think what makes Cliff very special is that he's willing and understands how different athletes are, that some of us come from I came from a very heavy swim background and he's like, okay, that means we have to really work your run and make you a strong runner. And other people come from very strong run backgrounds and it's like, okay, how do we work with you to make you the best triathlete instead of just a swimmer or a runner? And he sees a lot of potential and he's very kind hearted and very also experienced in the world of triathlon. He was the U S national coach, uh, prior to being the ASU coach. Wow. Now, it seems another reason for your success um, or Cliff's success, uh, Liberty, is the fact that he seems on an annual basis almost to be able to replenish the talent level in your program. Uh, last year, for instance, you had terrific athletes like Hannah Henry, who finished second at the Nationals a year ago. Kyla Roy, she finished seventh. They depart. And now you add new pieces like uh, the freshmen you have on your team, Naomi Ruff, Faith Dasso, Madison Judas, and Heidi Urenkova from the Czech Republic, as you mentioned. They step right in and perform at a high level. What's your take on that? And talk about the contributions of the newcomers, uh, gals like uh, Naomi and Heidi this season. 
Yeah, so Cliff definitely reaches out and looks at places that, you know, I wouldn't think, I wouldn't think to look at the Czech Republic, but, you know, he reached out there and was able to find Heidi, and then he looks within the states, and we have a very strong triathlon program here, Um, and, you know, all these girls are super amazing, and very smart and strong, both in the classroom and on the race course, and so, what I think we pride ourselves on as a team to bring in such strong girls is we have a very good attitude and a good team dynamic. So when these girls visit and we get to have talks with them and stuff, hopefully they fall in love with the school and then fall in love with the team and the culture we have. And then Cliff being the amazing coach he is with all the experience he has is another added bonus. And I think those three things combined really help us create such a strong team and keep bringing in very strong girls. And I think part of that should be credited to uh, athletes like yourself and Amber Schleybush and Alex Corsol, the veterans on this team. Uh, what kind of leadership do you provide your teammates, you being one of the captains of the team? I do my best to help lead by example. You know, you come to college and it's all this crazy new stuff of like, oh my gosh, I'm not with my parents anymore and I can do whatever <laughs> I want. But then, you know, there's a lot of things you got to learn of like, how do I do my laundry on my own and stuff like that? So just always being a shoulder there for them to like lean on and be like, Hey, I need help. Can you help me? And then we've had several of our, we have two fifth years right now, Audrey, Ernst and Gall. um, And they have helped a lot of help lead the freshmen and all of our underclassmen as well. And, you know, I, myself just, help along and just help guide people and offer help where I can. (laughs) It's amazing you say that because I always felt years ago when I went to college that you can get a great education in college without ever going to class, just from being (laughs) on your own and learning just how to, you know, coexist Mm -hmm. with other people from different backgrounds and different nationalities and all that. It's, It's just an education being in a college atmosphere, let alone going to class, isn't it? Definitely, you know, and especially with all the diversity we have on our team, there's lots of learning I've had to do with understanding different cultures, understanding different backgrounds and being able to like really make those connections. And it definitely, even if you never leave Arizona, being able to meet those other people really helps expand your worldviews and like your views on life. Absolutely. How do you feel about your team's uh, growth and performances this fall? Uh, you only competed in this year in only one NCAA qualifier, I believe. You, win, you won the West Regional in Stockton, Missouri, several weeks back. Uh, how do you feel about your team's readiness to go after that six-peat uh, this weekend? I am very excited to see what my team can do. So despite only competing in one NCAA race, we did have the opportunity to race a couple different other times. A few of us were able to race in the university games down in Brazil. Um, And then we had a couple other girls race elsewhere. And two weeks prior to the NCAA race, we raced in Colorado. Um, and everyone has had an incredible showing at all their races. And even if someone hasn't had a bad race, I think something that really sets us apart and also sets apart athletes is the persistence of never giving up. You know, the triathlon's a hard, hard sport. A lot of things can go wrong very quickly and very easily. So being able to be like, okay, what's the next step? How do I get back to this race? 
is definitely something that a lot of people have grown, including myself, over this past year and years prior that has set us apart and has made us really strong fighters. And I think going to nationals, we're all super excited. Um, a couple different things have changed with the rules and whatnot um, as NCA rules get put in place as we become a full NCA sport. So some things have changed, but we're all very good at going with the flow and we're just mm -hmm. excited to kick some butt. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And uh, how big an advantage is it to be able to try to kick some butt in your hometown uh, without having to leave Tempe, uh, having uh, basically the home advantage uh, for the national championships? Mm -hmm. The one downside is I don't get to skip class, but other than that, <laughs> uh, it's really awesome. All family and friends get to travel here, and also the weather is perfect this time of year. And so it's really awesome getting to see classmates and teachers and friends all come out and cheer us on for that. Because even though we're not the biggest crowd uh, sport, we definitely have a super awesome group of fans that come out and cheer us on. That's great to hear. And hopefully a lot of Sun Devil fans will be out there cheering you on this weekend. Liberty, I'm wondering, do you and your teammates, I don't know, do you feel any pressure this weekend, you know, wanting to maintain this uh, string of national championships the program has? It would be six in a row if you're able to do it this weekend. Definitely a little bit. I personally feel it as one of the team captains because while I'm not the only one that can bring the title home, it's definitely something of, okay, I'm a team captain. If we lose it, it's kind of on me. But I know that all of us are sort of feeling the pressure, but it's more of exciting pressure rather than stress pressure. Mm -hmm. Um we have some new competition with uh, Queens University. They just moved up to be a D1 school. So they were last year the D2 national champions. So definitely having some new competition also adds a little bit of pressure. But as I stated, it's exciting and more of like we're ready to race and we just want to get going now. Mm -hmm, for sure. And uh, I imagine you and your teammates must feel like pioneers in a way, because as you said, triathlon is just on the verge right now, isn't it, of becoming an NCAA sanctioned sport? And uh, Cliff was talking about with us earlier in the uh, fall how, you know, it, it, it's really hard for anyone associated with Arizona State to say something nice about the University of Arizona but Cliff had to mm -hmm. give some props to the U of A because they've added, I think, women's triathlon. And that mm -hmm. gets everything closer to the number of schools necessary to field the team so that your sport can achieve NCAA status. Yes, definitely. It's very exciting. And uh, while I won't get to be a part of it, I'm super excited for all the girls that get to be a part of the Territorial Cup here at Arizona State. Because that's something that, you know, we've always watched and seen other people go up and get to be a part of. And so for all of our girls um, to give you part of that, I think is super cool and like makes us even more connected to Arizona. And then, as you said, we are pioneers. I tell everyone, I'm like, we have to represent this sport well because we're the future. All these young girls are looking up to us and being like, wow, I can actually do this in college. Cause I know when I was little, it was like, okay, I've been doing triathlon since I was seven, but I'm not going to get to do it in wow. college. I have to pick either run or swim or something. And then triathlon came around. And I was like, 
I can actually do this. Like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully it sticks around for a long time. So all the little girls that are doing triathlon right now can don't have to worry about not doing triathlon in college. <laughs> what got you attracted to triathlon? That's, that's amazing to me that you started at age seven. I was a part of a swim team and they held a clinic and I was at that age where I was jumping around sports. I'd done soccer. Um, I was the goalie. I like to block with my face a lot is what I remember from that. <laughs> and I was swimming. I ran. My dad was a runner at the Air Force Academy. So I was running a lot. And then I enjoyed bike riding as most little kids do. And so my parents were like, hey, there's a clinic for triathlon. Do you want to go try it out? I did that, kept training a little bit, did my first race, and then just absolutely fell in love with it. And here we are now. <laughs> what a great story that is. Which of the events do you consider to be your strongest? And I'm curious, you touched on it earlier, Liberty. What, is, is there one event where most triathletes consider to be their strongest event? Do they mostly come from a swimming background? Do they mostly come from a running background, cycling? Which one is it? So personally, I consider myself the strongest in the swim. Um, I've been doing it for a long time, so I've quite enjoyed it. And it's definitely continued to be my strength. And to answer your question, it kind of is all over the place. It's very hard. We have a lot of people in the sport who come from running backgrounds. But as I put it, most you can't win the race well you win the race in the run but you can definitely lose the race beforehand if you're not balanced in the other sports um so there's definitely been a lot of people that have come to the sport that are very very strong runners but do not know how to swim or bike and so they end up losing the race before they even get to the run so you definitely have to have a balance and you can be a specialist in one of the three but overall you just have to sort of be strong in all three I understand that you recently joined the ranks of the gainfully employed, correct? Uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit about uh, your new job. <laughs> um, well, it kind of came out of nowhere. I uh, was going to take a fifth year here at Arizona State because of COVID, giving me that extra year for a master's. But I was like, I do need to sort of get experience doing interviews and everything. So I took the opportunity to go to the career fair um, here at Arizona State a couple weeks ago and end up talking to some companies and then got an interview right on the spot and sort of things got rolling from there. And then actually, while we were at our NCA race the night before, I received the offer letter. <laughs> And wow. that kind of was like, whoa, okay, what's going on? <laughs> and so um, it was a definitely a lot of chaos of, okay, do I still want to come back to school or do I want to get a job? Because the job is fully remote and that would allow me to possibly go pro as a triathlete, which has always been a dream of mine to see how far I can go with it. Mm -hmm. um, so the last day I signed the offer letter and I'll be sticking around here at Arizona State as a pro athlete. <laughs> Wow. Well, that is awesome. This is really an exciting time in your life with that. And of course, wrapping up uh, your collegiate career with the chance to win a sixth consecutive national championship for Arizona State. Liberty, it's been great having you on the show. Best of luck Saturday. I know you're going to have a lot of Sun Devil fans out there cheering for you. And a lot of them, if they're not there, they'll be all Sun Devil Nation will be pulling for you as well. And uh, all the best to you. And thanks for joining us this week. 
Thank you for having me. That's Sun Devil triathlete Liberty Ricca, our guest on the Anderson Healy Show. Again, Liberty and the Sun Devils bidding for a sixth consecutive national title at the Women's Triathlon Division I National Championships this weekend on Tempe Town Lake. Coming up, we'll reflect back on one of the greatest seasons in Arizona State football history with the quarterback of the 1982 Sun Devil team that will be honored in two weeks on the 40th anniversary of its Fiesta Bowl win over Oklahoma's quarterback Todd Hans will join us. This is the Anderson Healy Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network. Now, this time out. The Arizona Lottery presents a winning carol. Scratches are here to bring winning cheer for everyone over 21. For her and him, whoever likes to win. Like your dad, Bill, your best friend, Lil, your co-worker, Jill, your cat, Mr. Phil, your son, so your Newman Bow, and your helpful Uncle Joe. Merry, 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 merry Scratchers. This holiday season, give the gift of up to $500,000 with Holiday Scratchers from the Arizona Lottery. Saturdays are made for football, and when the game is on, we're finally off. Off duty, offline, out of office. A cracked Coors Light is our do not disturb message to the world. On game day, we don't think about the 9 to 5, but worry about the 4th and 1. So this Saturday, grab a Coors Light, press play on some pigskin, and pause on everything else. Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment, made to chill. Official corporate partner of Sun Devil Athletics. 2022 Coors Brewing Company, Golden Colorado, celebrate responsibly. If you plan on flying on or after May 3rd, 2023, make sure you have the new Arizona Travel ID to get you past TSA security checkpoints. This credential shows a gold star in the upper right corner and is available to Arizona residents as a driver's license or an ID card. Don't risk a missed flight on or after next May 3rd. Log on to aztravelid.com for a list of qualifying documents you'll need to get your travel ID today. Vibe check. A free afternoon on a Friday. Vibe. The party after the after party. Vibe. 3 a.m. text from your ex. No vibe. A hard seltzer with antioxidant vitamin C. Big vibe. Vizzy is a vibe. Celebrate responsibly. 2022 Wilson Coors Beverage Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, flavored beer. Anderson Healy Show continues now from the Sun Devil Radio Network, along with Arizona State Athletic Director Ray Anderson. I'm Tim Healy, the radio voice of the Sun Devils, and Ray and I are glad you're with us this week. When you talk about the greatest teams in the history of Arizona State football, the conversation will generally, generally center around the two Rose Bowl teams of 1986 and 96, as well as Frank Cush's undefeated 1975 Sun Devil team that won the Fiesta Bowl and finished with a number two national ranking. But in my opinion, one of the most underrated great teams in the history of Arizona State football was the 1982 Sun Devil squad coached by the late Daryl Rogers that capped off a 10-2 and season with a come-from-behind 32-21 victory over Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl game on New Year's Day 1983. That ASU Fiesta Bowl championship team will be honored on November 18th at Arizona State's annual Legends Luncheon on this, the 40-year anniversary of that great team and that great season. And here with us this week to reminisce 
about the 82 Sun Devils is their quarterback, a gentleman who passed for over 2,300 yards and nine touchdowns that year, including a game-clinching 52-yard scoring strike in the Fiesta Bowl. It's great to welcome Todd Hans to the show. Great to visit with you, Todd. How meaningful is it for you and your teammates to have Arizona State honor your uh, Fiesta Bowl championship team? Yeah, well, you had a great team. You're right. And uh, it is it is an honor. I mean, I didn't realize that we were going to do it. I know we had a 30-year reunion, and uh, I was excited once we got this one. I, I was on the committee to help get all the guys in that we could. I, I think we got about 40 guys coming in. So we're excited. It's It was a great team, a uh, great time to be there at ASU in the early 80s. Uh, you know, we were a dominant uh, uh, program at the time. Yeah, I wish I was here. I moved to the Valley a year later in uh, August of 83, but uh, certainly I've heard a lot of the stories about that team, and I thought we could talk about them now. Well, let's let's go down memory lane a bit. Think back to Camp Tonazona of that year when you guys assembled to start your preseason preparations in 82. The Sun Devils were coming off a 9-2 and season in 1981, a terrific year, and yet did not go to a bowl game because of NCAA sanctions that were still in place at the time. What was the feeling that you and your teammates had, the mindset that you had? Did you sense when you got started with fall camp that that 82 season and 82 team might be something special? Yeah, I mean, uh, the defense alone, I mean, it was uh, – you could just see how fast and 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 uh, athletic our defense was from – the front uh, seven to, you know, the DBs. I mean, nothing but All-Americans in each level. And we, we knew, you know, they were that was our catalyst. Uh, you know, offensively, you know, we just came off the year before of having the number one offense, you know, in the, in the pack or in the nation. And then, uh, you know, now our, our number one defense took over. And, it, you know, it was a nice I, – I, I struggled, uh, you know um, – Early on, due to a knee surgery and spring ball, and then Sandy Oshesky and I battled that uh, that year in fall camp up in Tanazona, and uh, they gave him the nod. and And uh, I remember, you know, Coach Rogers on the on the plane over to Oregon to Eugene said, "Be ready," and I said, "I'm always ready." You know, no worries. And uh, and you know, it just so happens, unfortunately, how it happened. And, you know, Sandy got hurt, and um, I got thrown in there, and and never look back. Uh, and a little bit of trivia for you. So, you know, you might know this. I doubt it. But, um, you know, uh, what quarterback uh, for ASU, uh, you know, threw, threw his first pass and caught it, too? That, that was me right there. Wow. So uh, wow. it was it was blocked, and I was, uh, you know, <laughs> I wanted a completion. So I, I grabbed it took the minus one yard. <laughs> Hans pass complete to Hans, I guess is the way yeah. I would have called it on radio, huh? And I've been doing the games, of course, the late great Tom Dillon was the voice of the Sun Devils back in 1982. And you mentioned, Todd, uh, your team, I think, opened with three of its first four games that season on the road, and you won them all. You opened up with uh, road wins at Oregon, at Houston, and then later at California. I would imagine when you start a season 4-0 with three road wins, you're starting to think that this could be something special. Yeah, you know, I think we just kind of took it game by game. We were pretty good about that. We didn't, you know, get ahead of ourselves um, until the end of the year when we were 9-0, and and then we thought we were, you know, 
uh, you know, that we couldn't be beat. And uh, unfortunately, we had a few bad uh, bounces that, uh, you know, cost us a couple games. But, um, you know, it was about taking each game as we went because, you know, you just it's the Pac-12 or Pac-10 then and you can't take anything for granted. You know, every team is good and, you know, the Pac, you know, always beats up on each other. That's the problem, you know, with this, the parity is so good. You mentioned that 9-0 start. I think one of the highlight wins in those nine uh, was a home victory over a John Elway-led Stanford team that was, I understand, a great ball game. Uh, what do you remember about that one? Yeah, that was a good game. I mean, our defense was uh, all over them all game. And, uh, you know, we were, you know, offensively, we were moving the ball pretty well. We were getting ready to, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, a couple minutes left of the game, you know, ice the game, basically go up by two scores. Um, I handed it off to Tex Wright. He fumbled in the end zone. They got the ball back uh, uh, on the 20, and Elway drove him right down and, and threw a corner. You know, he hadn't really done that much the whole game. And, you know, at the end, he threw a nice corner pass to Emil Harry and, uh, you know, to take the lead. And, uh, you know, there was only, you know, 58 seconds left at that point. So we thought, you know, John Elway strikes again, right? You know, so yeah. luckily enough, uh, you know, they gave us the ball back and uh, we got it on the 20 and and uh, I was able to hit a couple passes early on, you know, two plays we were at the midfield uh, and out of bounds. So it, uh, you know, we got some, and we only needed a field goal to technically tie. And back then you could do ties, which, you know, makes me sick to my stomach to think about. But, you know, um, you know, you, you could. I mean, you know, sometimes a tie is going to be better than a loss, you know, uh, when it comes to that. But so anyway, we, you know, it was a uh, exciting drive. Um, you know, we hit Jerome Weatherspoon a, a couple times in a, in a crossing route. Uh, I remember, you know, we hit the one and then we had a timeout and we were about the 30-yard line, I'm guessing, 25 and uh, we had a timeout where we were talking. And, you know, Ronnie Brown, a world-class speed, uh, was our Z. And he, he traded with uh, uh, Jerome Weatherspoon. Well, they ex- end up putting him on X on this play. And we did the same play that we've been hitting Jerome the whole time. And it's called a, a you know, double dig. And, and, and uh, Jerome, you know, tied in across, Jerome across. And then we usually do a post on the backside X. Well, we did a corner route, and Coach Baker, Bob Baker, says, I want you to look at Ronnie, you know, in the corner route. I'm like, okay, okay. So, you know, we get out of the huddle, and we, we go out, and I, I totally looked that way, and, and the safeties just, you know, they, like, knew he was in there and, and playing that, you know. Um, so they all just kind of jumped that side, and that's when I came back to Jerome Weatherspoon, and he caught it on the one-yard line. And so then we had another timeout, so – you know, we're over in the sidelines, and here we are again, you know, one-yard line where we fumbled before, and, you know, we're, I'm over the sidelines talking with the coaches, and I said, we got to give it back to Tex. You know, we got to give it back to him. He's going to score. We're going to win this game. we got to give it back to him. And they, they agreed. We went in there. I told them to huddle. I said, Tex, you got another try. Let's get it done, you know, and sure enough, the rest is history. You know, they did a big dog pile, and, you know, I wasn't in that, thankfully, but it was, uh, it was a pretty exciting finish, you know, to a game. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously doing that against John Elway was a, was uh, made it a little more memorable. 
Boy, that's for sure. And of course, you did mention that you're nine and zero heading into a mid-November home matchup with the Washington Huskies, and uh, the Huskies took that one seventeen to thirteen. And then the following game was the rivalry game, and uh, went down to Arizona. They won twenty-eight to eighteen, but there was a lot of controversy about that game, wasn't there, Todd? About the the jersey colors, the ASU wore its home jerseys down in Tucson because they wore white. Yeah, they played a game on us and told us, you know, to you know. Uh, I don't know. They they made us switch our jerseys because you know they they had their home jerseys on. I, I don't. I thought it was the other way around. Honestly, I can't remember. But I know there was a switch of the jerseys, and it, you know it didn't affect us. I don't think. You know, um, you know we just got beat on a couple big big plays that you know ninety six yarder and a fifty some yarder, and it was the you know it just kind of deflated us a little bit. You know, going back to the Washington game, I mean we. You know, we're in warm-ups, and we got, you know, six, seven tight end Ron Wetzel in warm-ups, and he blows out his knee in warm-ups. Oh so he started all year, and he blows out. So Don Kern has to come in. That hasn't played really all year. And uh, so we had to go with our second-string tight end, and Don's great tight end. He did a good job. Um, it's just, uh, you know, there was a difference because towards the end of the game, I threw a crossing route and went off his hands and into the – uh, into the DB's hands in the end zone um, towards the end of the game as, you know, we thought we had it and, you know, coming back and everything. But we did lose a, a, a fumbled punt and a fumbled kickoff, which was costly. They, that's how they scored twice. And uh, the one receiver made a one-handed unbelievable catch. If you ever seen the, the highlights on it, it was, you know, uh, definitely, uh, you know, a, a highlight. Yeah, for sure. And then, uh, so you're nine and two, and then it's on to the Fiesta Bowl. The Sun Devils were ranked 11th in the nation heading into the bowl season, and then they encountered a 12th ranked Oklahoma team that featured one freak of an athlete at running back, Marcus Dupree, who in that Fiesta Bowl rushed for an astounding 239 yards in just over one half of football before he had to leave the contest with injuries. Uh, how good was that guy, Todd? He was named the offensive MVP of the Fiesta Bowl, even though he uh, only played a, a part of uh, half the game and played for the losing team. Yeah. he Well, they, coach kind of blamed him. He never played after that again for Oklahoma. And, you know, the coach blamed him. He was out of shape because we had a lot of speed on our defense. We caught him every time on his long runs. He got a lot of long runs, but we caught him before he got in the end zone. And that, that was, uh, you know, part of the deciding factor, you know, cause he never got in the end zone. Um, so, it, you know, it, honestly, we, you know, we were ready for him. He was, you know, our defense wasn't used to a, a, a full option team like that from the big eight, you know, we, we didn't see that all year, maybe a little bit from Washington state back then. Um, but we never saw that kind of offense. So, I think he threw our defense off a little bit, you know, because um, they blitzed, you know, pretty much eight guys, you know, 90% of the time. I might be exaggerating a little bit, but it felt like 90% of the time. And uh, obviously you, you have to watch how you blitz when you got, you know, running the option and what have you. So it, it, was, uh, it was an interesting matchup, and I felt like, you know, Barry Switzer felt like he, you know, was uh, – 
you know, didn't belong there, that he should have been somewhere better or something, and uh, kind of fueled our fire. And uh, we we uh, we prevailed. I mean, we, you know, I didn't have a very good first half, and uh, and believe me, uh, Lynn Dawson, the great Lynn Dawson, um, uh, you know, kind of, you know, he announced it. You know, I was just throwing the ball, and I was a little nervous. I have to admit, you know, being on New Year's Day and 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 all that, so. It was uh, – I settled down in the second half and hit like 9 of 13 passes and, uh, you know, the rest is history because I hit a long one with Ronnie Brown, like you said, to uh, to ice the game, basically. Yes, indeed. And also the, a one-yard touchdown run by Alvin Moore uh, set the stage for that uh, touchdown pass to Ron Brown that sealed the deal and just had to be a tremendously uh, satisfying win for you. Yeah, it was, especially after losing two games in a row. We needed that win, you know, to to just, you know, realize that we were a good team and, you know, we deserved to be there. I mean, we were a few plays away from being undefeated. Well, that's the way it goes. I mean, you know, that's that's what football is, the game of inches, you know, it, it's that way. But, uh, you know, I was really pleased with our team. It was a We had a great bond and great unity. I think Camp Tonazona really, you know, helped us bond a lot. You know, that's uh, a such, that was such a, a memorable place to go and, and train for, you know, as a young man. A lot of our fans may know that two of your teammates on that squad who did not play in the Fiesta Bowl, none other than quarterback Jeff Van Rapphorst, who I believe redshirted that year, and a wide receiver named Kevin Turner. And uh, those are my two sidekicks on the Arizona State Sun Devil Radio Network. Yeah, I recruited rapper. He was a good guy. I, you know, he obviously uh, had a tremendous career at ASU, and you know, I was happy to see it. And uh, KT uh, Kevin Turner is just a, a class act guy. He was uh, a good friend, and he was a walk on. But we were, I was fortunate enough to get him in the game uh, a couple times, and uh, he was thankful for it. <laughs> Indeed. Now, uh, we you mentioned, uh, touched on it earlier, the strength of that 82 team was its defense. Uh, the number one ranked defense in the country that year allowed just 248 yards and 12 points per game. Uh, five different players, Todd, had over 100. I don't think I've ever seen this. A team with five players that had triple-digit tackle totals in the same season. Linebackers Jimmy Williams and Greg Battle, defensive back Mike Richardson, and defensive lineman Brian Caldwell and Jim Jeffcoat. Uh, boy, some great names. What made that defense so good? I think it was speed, honestly. I, I think we were faster than everybody. And, uh, you know, from the DBs to the down linemen, you know, Vernon Maxwell, I mean, he was, I mean, he, he was so fast on the outside that, you know, uh, he, I think speed was our main thing. We also, we were athletic too, of course, but uh, speed was our, our main, you know, attribute, I believe, on that defense. Yeah, Vernon Maxwell had 12 sacks to lead the team and ended up, ironically, the next year playing for the Baltimore Colts, who were coached by none other than Frank Cush, the former coach at Arizona State. Some of your offensive rookie teammates, of you mentioned. Defensive Rookie Martin. of the Year, too. Defensive yes. Rookie of the Year that year, too. Yeah, he was tremendous. Some of your offensive teammates, uh, running back Daryl Clack, uh, you mentioned uh, Jerome Weatherspoon, other wide receivers, including 
the Olympic sprinter Ron Brown, and Doug Allen was actually Arizona State's leading pass catcher that year. And then to top it off, you had one of the great place kickers in the history of college football in Luis Sendejas. Yeah, Luis was automatic. You know, I felt like, uh, you know, I, I put him to work too much. I wish I would have scored more touchdowns than, uh, than letting him kick all those field goals. But, you know, we never had to worry about Luis. You know, we just got him, you know, that, that one he kicked right before the half at uh, the Fiesta Bowl was a big turnaround for us. I think that kind of gave us some momentum going in at halftime and kind of kind of helped us for that second half. And, of course, uh, interesting that Luis's son, Christian Zendejas, was the Sun Devils' place kicker uh, the prior two seasons here, nine, uh, 2019 and 2020. Um, sadly, Todd, we've lost several members of that 1982 team, guys like Jimmy Williams and Brian Caldwell. Brian's son, Kyle, of course, was a tremendous defensive lineman at Arizona State in the early 2000s. And also, uh, Coach Daryl Rogers passed away not too terribly long ago. What qualities uh, did Coach Rogers have, in your opinion, to help him lead the team to the successful years you had in 81 and 82? Yeah, so Coach Rogers was a great manager. I mean, he he never he dabbed in offense probably a little more than he did defense, um, but he put great coaches uh, on his staff. We unfortunately uh, lost coaches every year to the NFL, you know, because they were so good. And uh, that's what I remember about him. I mean, all our coaches were, I think, went into the NFL at one time or another. And, and, you know, that's pretty impressive. I mean, you know, how he, and, you know, we hired, you know, Mike Martz, you know, you know, when I was there, that was my senior year, but Mm -hmm. uh he he put great coaches. I, I think that's what his best attribute was. He he knew how to find good coaches, and he did a great job with that. And you know he managed the game. He's you know uh, I I think you know he was a great coach to play for. Uh, you know him me got along really good, and uh, you know he was he was somebody special. And I, I'm not sure was Willie Shaw a member of that staff in '82? Yeah. He was a defensive back coach. Because Willie Shaw, I've just heard all the stories of what a fantastic recruiter that he was. And uh, a lot of the players that ended up winning a Rose Bowl a few years later in 1986 on a team coached by John Cooper uh, were players that uh, Willie Shaw helped recruit to Arizona State a few years prior. Absolutely. And I I feel like... uh, you know, I was a big recruiter for uh, ASU. We used to take the guys out all the time. And, you know, uh, I felt like because all those guys, you know, uh, were, were some of my recruits. And I, I feel good about that. I feel part of that that Rose Bowl team, the only, you know, winning Rose Bowl team that we've had in our history. So I feel a good part about that. I remember when they had their anniversary not too long ago, I went to it just to, so I could see a lot of the guys. It was It was fun to go to. But, uh, yeah, Willie Shaw, you know, he was a great recruiter. I had Al Luganbill. He was another mm-hmm. good recruiter. You know, um, the, you know, Ivy Williams. You know, there was a lot of, you know, we, we knew how to get, the, you know, again, the coaches were, were the important part, I think, uh, you know, back then because recruiting was everything, you know, uh, when it came to that. We did a lot of – we got a lot of guys from J.C., you know, because of the tr- transition – from Cush to, to Rogers, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So we had to pick up a lot of JC guys, which I was one of them. 
And uh, a lot of my buddies like KT and Paul Moyer and, you know, Scott Kagans and, you know, we were all JC guys at the same time. And, um, you know, it, I think it, it made us pretty special too. A lot of them from California, Mike, uh, uh, Mike Langston. And, you know, I mean, it was uh, in, endless. Uh, we had a lot of, a lot of JC transfers that year. Yeah, just it's just great to hear a lot of the uh, the names uh, after so many years and names that uh, certainly ring bells in fans' minds. And as you sit back and reflect, Todd, where, in your opinion, does the '82 Fiesta Bowl championship team rank among the all-time best teams in Sun Devil football history? Well, I you know uh, you listed out those uh, teams before, and they were uh, obviously really really good teams. And I, I gotta you know. I got to put us right behind them. So I, I would say fourth, fifth, you know, um, no, no more than six, that, but you know, which we, we ended up sixth nationally ranked that year. I don't know. You know, uh, what, what was, uh, the Rose bowl team? What, what were they ranked at the end of the year? Do you remember? I, they were of course in 96, I'm not sure about the 86. I think the 86 Rose 86 bowl team might've been ranked fourth. Yeah. So, that yeah, sounds... there's some, you know, you named the good teams and they were all really good teams. And I'd put us up in top five for sure, you know, in, in the history, you know, again, uh, you know, I can tell you just a few plays that, you know, we were away from, uh, you know, we win the Washington game, the U of A game wouldn't even have mattered, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, we got a second chance when, you know, Washington, you know, state beat Washington. So that's what gave us a second chance. So. You know, if we would have just won that Washington game, and I think that one, you know, is the one we let slip away at home, and you know, the two fumbles were just too too much to overcome. But that was a great, great season, and fans will get to uh, honor this team on uh, Friday, November eighteenth, at the uh, Phoenix Downtown Sheridan, the Legends Luncheon. Uh, the uh, Todd Hans and all of his nineteen eighty two teammates, as Todd mentioned, some forty of them expected to be there. It should be a great uh, a great day to uh, honor one of the great Sun Devil teams in the program's history. Todd, so great to catch up with you, my friend. All the best to you, and hope to see you soon. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Say hi to my buddies for me. I right? will, Go for back. sure. I, I won't be able to avoid them, I don't think, but I will definitely yeah, I uh, give them a shout-out uh, as well. That's Fiesta Bowl nice. winning quarterback Todd Hans, our guest today on the Anderson Healy Show. Again, that Legends Luncheon honoring the 1982 Fiesta Bowl team Friday, November 18th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Sheridan Phoenix downtown. Ray Anderson will rejoin me in just a moment. But first, these messages. This is the Anderson Healy Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network. The Arizona Lottery presents a winning carol. Scratches are here to bring winning cheer for everyone over 21. For her and him, whoever likes to win. Like your dad, Bill, your best friend, Lil, your co-worker, Jill, your cat, Mr. Phil. Your son is so, your Newman Beau, and your helpful Uncle Joe. Merry, 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 merry Scratchers. This holiday season, give the gift of up to $500,000 with Holiday Scratchers from the Arizona Lottery. Your moment has arrived. Welcome to Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Bigger, bolder, and better with so much more to offer. Grab a cold drink and cool off in a cabana at our all-new resort pool. Or take a taste of the here and now with even more dining destinations to choose from, including our new rooftop restaurant and lounge, Prime, a Shula Steakhouse. 
It's time to own your moment. So you do you. Hey, it's Paul Calvisi. And if there's one thing all top teams have in common, it's consistent performance. And that's what you're going to find up and down the full lineup of Ford trucks and SUVs. From tailgating to towing, on the job or on vacation, Ford has the right vehicle for you with performance that never quits. See that full Ford lineup today. Just stop by your Arizona Ford dealers or visit buyfordnow.com. Proud partner of the ASU Sun Devils, Go Devils! We are heading down the home stretch of this weekend's edition of the Anderson Healy Show from the Sun Devil Radio Network, alongside of Arizona State Athletic Director Ray Anderson. I'm Tim Healy, the voice of the Sun Devils, and we're glad you're with us this week. Ray rejoins me now. Lots of sports to discuss on our final segment, beginning with women's golf, who posted a solid finish to their fall competition schedule as Missy Farquet's squad finished fourth at last week's Pac-12 preview that took place in Kailua, Kona, Hawaii. Arizona State posting a five under par, three round total. And actually, the Sun Devils had the day's best round in two of the three rounds of the event, including a superb seven under par showing by the Devils on the final day of the competition. Individually, Ashley Many was Arizona State's top finisher. She finished in a fourth-place tie. It was her seventh career top-ten finish and her fourth finish in the top five of a tournament. And, Ray, I imagine Missy had to have been very pleased with the way her girls performed out in Hawaii in the Pac-12 preview. Yes, they, they, she certainly was. In fact, she was by the office today, poked her head in and said hello. Looked a little tired from all that uh, time in Hawaii, I must say. Uh, but all that time was, on the beach, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not feeling sorry for him, just so you know. Uh, but uh, fourth place in the Pac-12 preview, you know, that's a good standing because you know we are we're like a top golf conference uh, in the country, and uh, oh, yeah. Ashley playing so well, uh, and uh, two of the best rounds were by uh, our Sun Devils, so. It's going to be uh, – it was a solid finish to the fall season. It's going to be a, an exciting uh, spring season as well leading up to the NCAAs here in May and June, and hopefully we'll do our part to make sure we're there. But this women's golf team will uh, be yet another strong squad this year, Tim, uh, and mm-hmm. hope our fans will get a chance to come out at their various events uh, and uh, root them on and cheer them on and get a chance to really – appreciate the talent here uh, on our women's golf team. As Ray indicated, a well-deserved couple of months off from competition for the Sun Devil women's golfers. They will return to the links in mid-January. The fifth-ranked ASU men's swimming team dominated their 17th-ranked counterparts from USC last Friday in Los Angeles as Coach Bob Bowman's men defeated the Trojans 185-115 to The Sun Devils won the first six events of the meet and never looked back from that point on. And once again, the star in the pool was the Sun Devils' sensational sophomore from France, Léon Marchand, who won all three of the events in which he competed, the 100 and 200 breaststroke and the 200 individual medley. And, Ray, that gives Léon a perfect 10 for 10 this fall. He has won all 10 individual events at the meets uh, in which he has participated. Pretty amazing. Uh, amazing. Uh, a spectacular uh, talent. Uh, and 
an equally nice young man. So uh, Leon is going to lead this team. Obviously, we've got Grant and a number of others. But uh, I love when you say uh, dominated USC because we did. It wasn't long ago uh, when you wouldn't be saying that about our swimming team versus uh, UCLA or Stanford's or uh, USC's. But Bob Bowman uh, uh, has really got this program uh, in a great place. And fifth uh, uh, is looking like uh, uh, something that we're not going to be satisfied with. Yeah. We're looking for a national championship, uh, and they don't shy away from that challenge. So it's fun uh, to see this program and dominate SC they did. That does have a nice ring to it, doesn't it? The it weekend, has a unf- marvelous ring. Sure does. Uh, the weekend didn't turn out quite as well for the Sun Devil women's swimming and diving team. They lost at both USC, and then the women stayed over on Saturday, competed, and uh, lost at UCLA, the 20th-ranked UCLA Bruins. Despite some good performances from a couple of Sun Devil swimmers, Lindsay Looney won her two events at USC, and Eva Maluka won all three of her events at UCLA, the 200 and 500 freestyle and the 200 individual medley. Yes, uh, good performances uh, by some individuals, but uh, we're certainly looking for the team to uh, rally up and get better overall. Uh, And there's always a healthy competition between the men and women in terms of uh, bragging rights and who's doing what, and they they, uh, work well together, they cheer for each other. But that healthy competition uh, is good because the ladies know they got some gap uh, to work on. Uh, and it would be fun to see him uh, try to do that this year, uh, Tim. But both of our teams will be very competitive and a lot of fun to watch because some of the individuals out there uh, are star-studded and some of the elite in college swimming. The USC and UCLA meets the final dual meets of the fall competition schedule for the Sun Devil Swimmers. They do have one last remaining competition. The battling Bowmans, if you will, will be in the North Carolina State Invite in Greensboro, North Carolina, next weekend, November 17th through the 19th. It was a rough weekend in L.A. for the Sun Devil volleyball team, which lost both of its matches last weekend. They were defeated 3-1 at USC on Friday, and then the Sun Devils were swept at UCLA this past Sunday. In defeat, though, ASU's two biggest stars continued to shine. Marta Levinska now has eight straight matches with double-digit kills totals, while Iman Isanovich moved into 10th place on the Sun Devils' all-time career list for kills. She now has 1,306. Yes, uh, Marta and Iman individually uh, continue to excel, no question. Uh, But it was a disappointing weekend in uh, Southern California, 3-1 SC, 3-0 UCLA. Tough volleyball, tough volleyball. So the program is still growing. Under uh, Sonia, we know we have some uh, distance to make up between us and the elite programs, and we'll continue working on that. But uh, Marta and Iman have been tremendous, tremendous uh, performers for uh, volleyball, Tim. And uh, we just have to stay with the program, understanding that we're going to continue to get better with Sonia uh, leading us uh, and just go do it. Volleyball is back home this week at Desert Financial Arena. They'll host the Washington schools. The Washington State Cougars will be here Friday evening, November 11th, Veterans Night at 7 p.m., and then Washington on Sunday at 1 p.m. Coming off two straight fourth-place national finishes, 
The Sun Devil Wrestling Team will open its 2022-2023 season this weekend on the East Coast as they will visit Rutgers this Saturday, November 12th, and then will compete at the Journeyman Defense Soap Collegiate Classic in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania on Sunday and Monday, November 13th and 14th. And Ray, I know Coach Zeke Jones is very optimistic about his wrestling squad for this coming season. Back-to-back fourth-place finishes. They'd get like to get a little further up on that podium uh, next year, don't you think? Yeah, they're looking to step up on the podium uh, once you get to the uh, NCAA finals. But, uh, yes, Zeke is very enthusiastic about this roster uh, that we have, uh, thinks it's deep uh, across all the weight classes. So excited about them getting underway again, uh, fourth on the podium last year, uh, and I believe the year before. So they're looking to uh, uptick upgrade that uh, adventure uh, at the NCAA tournament. Uh, so it'll be fun to watch him. Uh, tremendous wrestling talent here uh, under Zeke's leadership, Tim. Wrestling's first home match, by the way, and their first ever at the brand new Mullet Arena will take place next Thursday, November 17th, when ASU will host the Southeastern Conference's Missouri Tigers. Finally, the other occupants of the Mullet Arena, the Sun Devil hockey team, They'll be back on their home ice after a week off. Uh, The Sun Devils of Coach Greg Powers will host a pair of games against Alaska Anchorage this Friday and Saturday, November 11th and 12th. Face-off for Friday's game will be 7 p.m., a 5 p.m. start to the Saturday contest as the Sun Devils, Ray, look to build on the momentum of their program-defining 3-2 win over 6th-ranked North Dakota last week at the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame game in Las Vegas. Yes, excited about uh, that performance against North Dakota uh, at uh, the big arena there where the Golden Knights play in Vegas. Uh, my understanding, there may have been about 15,000 people of them there, and at least 14,000-plus had the green from uh, power, uh, hockey power, traditional North uh, Dakota, uh, and went, winning there and got the victory to a lot of folks' surprise. So, a big, big victory for the program, probably the most significant uh, in our uh, time here, Tim. And so some momentum going into uh, Fairbanks, Alaska uh, this weekend is, is is pretty cool. So should be fun, but this is a good team. We've got a good team. Five and four on the year, the Sun Devil hockey team, and they will uh, drop the puck on Friday and Saturday against Alaska Anchorage. That'll do it for this week's show. Some thank yous before we leave. First and foremost, thanks to our producers, Arizona State Senior Associate Athletic Director Doug Tamaro for his help. Thanks as well to our terrific engineer, Sean Crespin of the Sun Devil Radio Network, and to our magnificent show scheduler, Kim Nelson of Sun Devil Athletics for her help as well. We will not have a show next week. Yours truly will be back in Brooklyn, New York, with uh, men's basketball broadcast duties as the Sun Devils playing in the Legends Classic at uh, the Barclays Center, the home of the Brooklyn Nets, with games against Virginia Commonwealth next Wednesday night, and then either Michigan or Pittsburgh the following evening. Ray and I, however, will reconvene with you two weeks from now, Thanksgiving week, with another edition of the Anderson Healy Show, and we hope that you'll make plans to join us. Ray, great to visit with you. We'll See you in the Palouse. We have to dress warm for that trip, but we'll be ready uh, when the Sun Devils take on the Washington State Cougars. Indeed, Tim. Look forward to seeing you up in uh, Pullman and then uh, enjoy the trip uh, to Brooklyn, and then we'll see you here uh, in two weeks when we can uh, uh, visit with our Sun Devil 
uh, family. And until then, we say, hey, go Devils. Go Devils. Till next time, for Ray Anderson, I'm Tim Healy. We thank you for joining us here on the Anderson Healy Show. So long, everybody. You've been listening to the Anderson Healy Show, powered by Elevation, the Sun Devils' preferred home energy technology company. Hey, Sun Devil fans, college football is back. So grab your friends in a cold, refreshing Dos Equis lager and make the most out of game day. Dos Equis is the one to score for your tailgate, at the bar, or even watching with your friend who went to that other school. So buy a cold, crisp Dos Equis and get those forks up on game day. Dos Equis, proud partner of the Arizona State Sun Devils. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2022. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. It takes hard work to be the best in the game. Planning, commitment, resilience, sweat. That's why Old Dominion Freight Line, the number one national LTL carrier for quality, works hard to be the best in the game and is proud to support those striving to be the best in theirs. Old Dominion Freight Line, official freight carrier of Sun Devil Athletics, helping the world keep promises. 75% of the electricity you're using is on products that are turned off. And your ceiling fan could cost you up to $5,000 over its lifetime. Sun Devils fans, you know your sports stats. At Elevation, we know the stats that can help save your wallet and the world. Visit PoweredByElevation.com and learn how our full suite of smart solar solutions can make a powerful difference today. Elevation is a proud partner of Sun Devil Athletics. Forks up, bills down. It's now time for the official Game Time Munchies break with a cold, tasty brew from Lagunitas. When you're hungry from raising the pitchforks high, reach for the highly balanced Lagunitas IPA. It's wow with wings, perfection with pizza, and nearly unmatchable with nachos. Their IPA just goes with football food. We're proud to call them the official craft beer of Sun Devil Athletics. The Lagunitas Brewing Company, Petaluma, California. Drink Lagunitas responsibly.